Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Shaft, along with my good friend, Artemis, Artemis Brower. How are we doing, my friend? We're good. We're good. We're uh, we're back. We're in the we're in the we're in the we're in the thick of it now. We're we're all the way into the season. Week one is over, so now we're into uh, we're into the thick of college football. So let's get into it, man. Let's not waste no time. Let's get into this episode. Yeah, for sure. Uh, already episode one sixty one of the Boneyard Podcast, the premier podcast of Pirate Nation. Uh, Artie, l- let me ask you, um, you got a number 61 for me? I do have a 61. I know I didn't have a 60 last week, so I'm going I'm to I'm pull it together and give you a 61 for this week. Uh, Josh Beckett, that will be my 61 for the week. That's a good one. Uh, pitcher in the MLB, uh, started in 2001 with the Florida Marlins, was the MVP World Series MVP back in 2003 with the Florida Marlins. Uh, got traded to Boston in 2006, went 84 and 47 as a starter, won another World Series championship in 2007, um, and went to the All Star team three times. So Josh Beckett had a very, very underrated, uh, low key uh, career, but great career. And uh, shout out Josh Beckett, number 61. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, not chalk, Artie, but maybe chalk for me. Carolina Hurricane. My Hurricanes God! Can we pick another guy outside of the Hurricanes and the Braves? You gonna pick? Are you gonna either pick a player from the Braves or the Hurricanes? I, I honestly single week. <laughs> already honestly, I started to not pick a not to pick a Hurricane or Brave. I picked okay. the first. Started. I picked the and then first, you're like, you know, I know it. You know, I, I got it. I gotta go. I gotta go. Hurricanes. I picked the first. I picked the first number six, like the sixty-one that I I knew, off the top of my head. At first, I was going to go Rick Nash, former Columbus Blue Jacket, New York Ranger. I believe he played for Ottawa, maybe Toronto. Um, towards the end of his career, gonna go. I was going to go Rick Nash. Um, but I decided not to, and I went with a Hurricane. Because I, I just went down a rabbit hole already of 61s, and I was like, oh, I forgot he wore 61. His son also wears the number 61. Uh, Corey Stillman is my my pick for for the number 61 this week. Uh, two-time Stanley Cup champ, once with the Tampa Bay Lightning, was also on that 06 Canes team to lift Lord Stanley Cup. Played over 1,000 games in the NHL, 727 points. 278 goals, 449 assists. So yeah, already, I mean, got I got I gotta love it. Um as far as he, he was just one of those hard-nosed guys, went to the dirty areas, got in the paint, fan favorite, um all-time hurricanes legend. Yeah. So that, that's my 61. But already, let, let me uh let me tell you about Variety Sports Podcast Network. The Boneyard Podcast is proud to be members of the Variety Sports Podcast Network. Variety Sports Collegiate. Uh, go check them out. We're live right now. Right now on our YouTube channel, but also on the Variety Sports Network YouTube channel. Go give them a subscribe. Hit the subscribe button somewhere down here. All right. Do that. And um, yeah, I mean, Artie, let, let's get into it. We, we got a lot to talk about. We got to talk about Michigan. We're going to talk uh, Marshall here in a little bit. We're going to talk Marshall, and then we're we're gonna uh, 
get through the rest of the podcast. Uh, Artie, you went to Ann Arbor. Yeah. How, what were your thoughts? Ann Arbor was dope, man. It was, it was, it was, you know, we were only there really for, you know, five hours at, at most. I mean, really got in part tailgated for, for maybe 30 minutes before we wanted to, you know, make that, made that drive. It was about a not drive, but walk uh, 10, 15 minute walk up to the stadium. And then when you come up on it, you know, it's like, Oh wow. Like we're actually, we're actually here, right? We're actually seeing it. It's actually in your face, like the big house, you know, one of the meccas of college football. And it's it's as advertised. It's, it is it is as big as they say it is. It is It can fill as many people as they say it can fill. I think the crowd there for game one was 109,000. Um, so, I mean, that's that's just, you know, for a game one crowd, you know, against a, against a non-conference opponent to have 109,000 people in the stadium, just to let you know just how, how you know, Crazy they are as as fans, but it was cool. Ann Arbor was a good time. Um, you know, obviously, wish the game was closer from an offensive perspective, but we'll get into all that in the, in a couple of minutes. But Ann Arbor itself was was really really cool. I think you know, obviously, want to go back up there, kind of experience more of the campus, experience experience more of you know, like downtown and what they has to offer. But um, the game day experience was really really cool. Michigan fans are not like. ECU fans in the slightest. They are very businesslike. ECU fans are there to have a good time. They're there to, to, to party with you, have conversation, the Southern hospitality. Michigan fans are very businesslike. <laughs> they they up there, they don't even sell beer in the stadium. They don't serve any alcohol in the stadium, which is a travesty. I was so disappointed and upset by that. I was I was really expecting to be able to drink a beer while watching this game. Couldn't do that. But that's a story for another day. But Michigan fans are very, very militant, very, very businesslike. Like it's not – I didn't really see a lot of tailgating. Maybe the students-wise, you know, students were probably on campus tailgating, doing whatever. But as far as like the Michigan fans, it was more like, okay, business mentality, which it was, was kind of weird seeing. Um, I definitely thought it would be more of a laid-back kind of, you know, raucous maybe tailgate kind of environment. That's not what it was at all for game one. So it might be different for, for different schools coming into Ann Arbor, but that for ECU was definitely very businesslike. Up there. You mean to tell me they didn't get as amped up to play us as they do to, to play, you know, Ohio state or Michigan state. Yeah. You know, they're definitely not going to get that amped up. Not for us, not for us, but well, you know, we got to bring the, we got to bring the energy and we, we do that each and every week. And this week we're going to get to do it inside Dowdy Ficklin stadium with, 40,000 plus, hopefully closer to 50,000. Uh, I, I heard some numbers being thrown out. Sounds like it's going to be low 40s, um, depending on, of course, depending on weather this weekend in, in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. But, uh, Artie, let's do a, let, let's, let's talk about this game. In a nutshell, I feel like there's a lot of good that I saw in the game. Look, the score, the score was what the score was. EC loses 30 to three. And that three came on, on a last second field goal to keep the streak of 313 straight games of not being shut out alive, to, uh, which I believe is a top 10 record right now for, for current non shutout streaks. Look, Michigan's good. Michigan is there's a reason they're the number two team in the country. Got a good defense, got a very good offense. Um, already let, let's go through the good, bad, and ugly. The good ECU's rush defense looks stout once again. Yep. 
Your thoughts? They looked honestly, they looked they looked a lot better than I thought they were going to. And that, you know, when we talk about pleasant surprises from this past Saturday, um, to be honest, completely honest with you, you know, Michigan, the score was 30 to three, probably should have been 23 to three or 26 to three. Um, and we'll talk about that that open and drive touchdown for Michigan as well. But um the rush defense was was phenomenal to hold a duo of Edwards and Corum to, you know, what, what 110 yards combined is what we we held them to. That's phenomenal. I mean, for for a defense like ours, it's not supposed to be, you know, these this powerhouse defense, this top 10 defense, whatever you want to say. That's phenomenal to hold Heisman candidate running backs to that number combined. Um, and so our, our front seven is absolutely going to be a force to be reckoned with throughout the year. I think our secondary is much improved as well. I mean, look, obviously, you know, Michigan had that, you know, one one receiver. Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on on his name. I should be better than this because I, I know his name and I forgot. But he had three touchdowns. I mean, he had he had a, he had a hat trick last week. You take him out the game, and you know their offense is really kind of stagnant. So you know, JJ was he was he was you know slicing and dicing you know the way he wanted to, but it was long sustained drives. It was nothing quick. They weren't beating us over the top a lot. They weren't getting the home run hitter. You know, every other series, uh, we made them earn it, and and that's what I was very very proud of with this ECU defense. We made Michigan go out there and earn every single touchdown they got. So that's what I was um, extremely proud of from a defensive standpoint. So that's one of the pleasant surprises, and especially that front seven. Yeah, you, you, you talk the, – the player you're thinking of is Roman Wilson. Wilson, yes. Eight, yes. Uh, eight tar- he was targeted eight times, uh, had six receptions for 78 yards, and uh, three of them being touchdowns. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> I mean, we can talk about the – we can talk about the officiating. I have that as part of the ugly, the the officiating in that game. Look, let, let's clear let's clear it right now. The officiating in the game, yes, it was it was awful, but it didn't affect the it didn't affect the game. Yeah, it, it didn't affect the outcome. Like, the outcome. okay, yeah, it would look. It yeah, the score may have been a little bit closer. Now. Had ECU been able to hold Michigan under 20 and lose, let's say, 17 to 3, you get another stop and that first touchdown pass is called back. Hey, Jared, if, if ECU loses that game 17 to 3, that's a win. I'm marking that as a win. <laughs> if you go up to Ann Arbor and hold them to 17, you only lose about 14 points. Come on now. I'm feeling really good about ECU. Yeah, I, I know. Th- I could pull, I could try to pull it up. The Power Five Pirates uh, Twitter page put out a bunch of like stats about teams that have played in Ann Arbor over the past couple of years, and teams like Michigan or teams like Penn State. Excuse me. Uh, I think like Michigan State when they were ranked in the top fifteen, Ohio State, some of these other big name programs. Not being able, like not being able to hold Michigan to what ECU even did at times. Um, yeah. But hey, the defense was good. Defensive front, I am stoked about it. And the the thing with the secondary, look, you you're going against a probably the number one offensive line in the country, and the fact that. The fact that you're you're doing that in the first place is crazy, um, but secondly, 
when you're when you're playing a team like that, and it doesn't matter how good your your defensive line is, the quarterback's going to have time to throw, and guys are going to get be able to get open downfield. That was what I saw. It wasn't like we were getting beat on routes. It was JJ McCarthy had so much time in the pocket to throw because he has the number one offensive line in the country. That it was kind of it was kind of like backyard football. Get Once open. Last four seconds, you cannot expect the secondary to hold on to these guys no. like that without without pass interference. You just you can't you can't expect that. So, yeah, exactly. And I mean, they were still close to him. I mean, I, I do like that. The I think the secondary is going to be better this year from what from what I saw. Um, I think the secondary is going to be better this year. Five tackles for loss for the for the defensive line. Uh, seven yards. Uh, for for a loss of seven yards on those on those plays against once again arguably what top three running back duo in the country? No, no, that's top one. That's that's top one running back duo. <laughs> top three, but they're not number two or number three. <laughs> yeah. As far as running back duos, yeah, that that's top. There's not even another running back room close to that duo. Yeah, so gotta be gotta be happy with this rush defense. It honestly, the biggest bright spot uh, of that game was, was seeing the the defensive line kind of stand out once again. Uh, already, I, I kind of put this in here tongue in cheek. Uh, punting, Archer Trafford, That's excellent. I mean, that first punt he had, man. Oh my goodness, excellent. It, it just kept rolling, rolled down to what, like the two yard line, three yard line, and. Um, there, there was a bunch of Michigan fans in the stadium saying, "Look, you guys aren't aren't getting a lot right, but you're getting the punting right. <laughs> you're getting you're getting that right." So, yeah, um, average forty nine yards per punt, and um, that, that's on five punts. So, I think he had like two hundred and fifty yards worth of punting. Alex Flynn, look, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks. Yeah, quarterback play wasn't fantastic, but Alex Flynn, when he did come in, looked composed. That that's all I'm going to leave it at. He looked composed. He, yeah. The moment wasn't too big. Did he make the play every time? No. Did he have many opportunities? No. I think he only had 11 pass attempts. He, uh, he went five for 11 for like 50 yards. But it, I mean, once again, the top 10 defense in the country. Um, the guy that kind of stood out. If if we handed out bad to the bone player of the week for a loss, which we don't. We don't condone losing here on the Boneyard Podcast. That part. See, see, see what I said? Um, no, the guy I, w- I would like to give a shout out to that was kind of shown that, hey, he's as good as advertised. Javius Bond running back. Um, I mean, dude's got some serious explosiveness. And I- I'm just excited to see him challenge Rajay Harris Marlon Gunn, and what what have we said all the time? Competition breeds excellence, and that, mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to get from from this running back room. Uh, Artie, I'll, I'll let you take the bad. Oh man, so what are we have on the bad? It's really just offense, honestly. I mean, look, the the Mason gets a start, right? And and that's what we all expected, and that's and 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 I'm going to sit here and I'm and I'm going to be honest. I, I think I do give this game a bit of a mulligan when it comes to our not only just our quarterback play but our offensive play because we are playing a top five defense in Michigan. This is supposed to be one of 
not one of this is the best defense we're going to play all season, bar none, right? Like it's it's just a step above any other defense that we're going to see because uh, a lot of these guys are going to the pros next season. So I would give them a bit of a mulligan on that. Now, with that being said, I am not happy with our quarterback situation. And I, and I know Coach Houston said that even going to this Marshall game this week that we're going to probably see Flynn and Garcia again, a two-quarterback lineup. And to me, that scares the hell out of me. Because when you get into the, the one question mark you cannot have in a locker room is quarterback. You can have a question mark at any other position. Quarterback is, is, is the one you cannot have a question mark. You cannot be guessing who's your guy. And you cannot be stringing these guys along saying, well, you might be the guy. You might be the guy. We might, we're going to go two quarterbacks. That, that two quarterback system to me is not going to work. In the long run, that, it ain't going to work. Quarterback is the one position where you have to have one finite guy. He's your guy. You go with him because he's your best chance of winning, or you go with somebody else because he's not your best chance of winning. That's that's what it is at quarterback. So I, I'm really, really concerned about where we are at the quarterback position going forward. Um, now, I will say Flynn, he did look – truthfully, he, he he looked better. Like, he, he, he fit the role to me better. He looked more comfortable, more confident. Granted, this was both of these guys' first true – like, well, at least with Garcia, it was his first true start. He's come in and started before – He's coming in replacement of, of, of Ehlers in the past. But this is his first legitimate you're the guy number one start. And to do that against Michigan, that's why I will, okay, I'll give him that little bit of a mulligan um, on that. But we just couldn't get anything going. I mean, absolutely nothing, even against their backups, Michigan's backups. We couldn't get anything going. At least try and get a touchdown on the board late in the fourth quarter. We couldn't even get that. We had to scrap together a field goal in the waning seconds of that game. So for me, there is a lot of potential still left in this offense. Obviously, going up against that kind of a defense, you're not going to get you know your best sample size. But I am terrified of our quarterback situation. I'm not nervous. I'm terrified of our quarterback situation right now. Yeah, I, I think that – I don't know. I, I agree with you on, on the mulligan. Um, I need somebody to step up. I need somebody to step up this week. D- There's no job. So somebody has to step up this week. So you're at home. This is the home opener, and this is an opponent. Marshall's good, but this is not Michigan, right? So you have, somebody's got to step up this week. There's no more excuses. It's a different MU or UM, right? <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I mean, I think we agree. that That's the bat. The, the offense couldn't get anything going. Rushing-wise, I mean, your leading rusher was – Mason Garcia, 36 yards, I believe, on eight carries. Um, you just couldn't get anything really going. Yeah. And you didn't have any long, sustained drives, even though ECU, I'm pretty sure, had the majority when it came to time of possession. You, you couldn't get any sustained drives. Um, so, yeah, that that's that that that's what – I'll leave it at that. Um, then the ugly – I'll start with this, Artie. Look, I love Donnie Kirkpatrick as, as a person. He he's a funny guy, funny guy to talk to, and he. I mean, I'm sure he means well. But why the hell are we on the first play of the season running it up the middle in the big house, first and ten? Why? Why are we doing that? Call better plays, Donnie. That's all I'm asking. 
Call some better plays. I, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. But why are we running it into one of the top 10, if not top five, defensive lines right into their mouth? Yeah. On the first play of the season. Hey, show them, hey, we're going to try to air the ball out. But we didn't do that. Um, and then, do, do you have anything as far as play calling? I would, I would say the, I, I agree completely with the play calling. Also, a lot of times it looks like we lack imagination. It looks like we lack, you know, some character, some oomph, some, some you know, some trick plays. Some, you know, I mean, this this is this is one of those games where you go up there and you say, to hell with it. Let's 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 just throw the kitchen sink at these guys and see what we can what we can do. It just it, at times it felt too conservative. What the hell are we playing conservative against Michigan for? Uh, yeah, you don't you don't have open to it up. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. We're not expected to win this game. We're supposed to lose this game by fifty, right? So let's go up there and let's let's thirty five. Right? Like I was being facetious, but I mean let's <laughs> let's go up there and, and do what we got to do. I just there's times it was like this is a little too conservative. For a game of this magnitude, why? So I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, you get open up the playbook. I don't care if you're looking at a cookbook; something's got to something's got to come out of it. So, um, yeah, that that's the number one ugly. Number two, we talked about it a little bit at the top of this segment already. Um, officiating, look. I know in the past we've been hard on officials, and rightfully so. We're, I'm thinking back to the Tulsa game. If somebody's listening to this, Tulsa game 2020, Halloween weekend. Um, if you're listening to this while you're driving, I hope I didn't cause you to just drive off a bridge because I was listening to it. I would probably I would probably do the same thing. One of the biggest Look, jobs in the history of college football. I mean, I still think of like I still like think about that. Probably once a month I think about that game and get pissed. <laughs> I just get pissed. We'll get them back. We'll get them back. Go check out the Golden Hurricast, uh, our friends over at, at Tulsa. Uh, already the officiating. ECU, it, it was just so one-sided. I mean, the first play, I was like, okay, like, uh, how did it look in the in the stadium that that – Touchdown pass. No, no. When you when you're watching it, it's different when you watch it on TV because you you can kind of see it on TV right. better than you can in person. So a lot of these plays kind of just look bang bang, tit for tat. But I will I will say there were quite a few of those calls where even the Michigan fans in there were like, yeah, that could have gone another way. That definitely could have gone another way. The targeting was 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 one of them where it was kind of like ticky tacky. Um, absolutely, the JJ touchdown when that that first touchdown where JJ was clearly over the line of scrimmage. I mean, he had a full step. His he whole was, body was the whole, over, whole body was over the line of scrimmage. And I'm sitting, I'm surrounded by Michigan fans. And they're looking at me and they're saying, yeah, he was over the line of scrimmage. Like, <laughs> he, he was over. Like, I'm not going to argue that. So yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. We're, we're, we're just asking for, you know, the number two team in the country to at least somewhat play by the rules. <laughs> I, I mean, I know it's not giving a hamburger to a – it's not giving a – Michigan, if they get away with it, they get away with it. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I'm not blaming Michigan, but I'm just saying it's not like giving a hamburger to, to a recruit. Right, right. Like – but, yeah, I mean, that play, uh, there there's a, a incomplete pass that – it looked to me watching the replay. Uh, I, I can't remember the receiver for Michigan that 
I know, I, I, know, I know the clip you're talking about. It no, looked to me like he made a football move. Yeah, I thought it was a fumble too. Like yeah, he, he took a step and a half or two, and it, it looked like he started to stand up to run, and he yeah. just got hit. And they called it incomplete. ECU recovers the ball around the 50-yard line. That I mean, the game is still, at that. I think, at that point, it's only 7 nothing. You right. get good field position, a little bit of a momentum switch. Hey, let's let's – March down the field a little bit, at least get some points on the board. That play, uh, you got the targeting call, which overturned Jack Powers gonna gonna play all game Saturday. Look, I can see why people thought it was targeting, and it, it's close. But to me, the initial point of contact was the hands, the chest. It wasn't to the face; it was to the chest. It was a good hard. Football hit. Was there coincidental contact with the head after? Maybe a little bit. But, like, that was caused by the hit that had already taken place, in my opinion. And it was it was fair to call that targeting in the moment. That was, that was fair to call that. But targeting. if you're going to review it, get it right. And the, and the fact that he's not going to be suspended for the first half kind of speaks to that. So, And ECU sent in. 12 plays to the National Officiation Association. That's a mouthful. They need to change your name. That's a terrible name. National Officiation Association. It, it, <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? ECU sends in 12 plays. Six of them come back as, you know what, we messed up. Three of them were reviewed in-game, and they still got it wrong. Yeah. And even when you had the, the broadcaster, I can't remember who it was, in the booth, Talking about, oh, yeah, this this is what I think I saw. Every time he was like, oh, no, this is coming back. Like, that's not a penalty. Every single time. And then they got they still got the call wrong. Not to mention the 12 men on the field. <laughs> like, you reviewed it for a, a catch on ECU. but you, And while you're reviewing it, you see the guy on the field for having 12 men on the field still get it wrong. I don't know what the rule is on can you call that after watching the review or I know you're just reviewing that one thing, but can you say, oh, there was this penalty also, but that penalty is on the defense. I don't know if they can do that, but somebody somebody should have lost their job after after Saturday because they weren't good at it. My, my blind grandmother could have done a, done a better job than that. Artie, anything else on, on Michigan? Look. I made the joke. Good teams win. Great teams cover. ECU covered. Hey, I called it. ECU is going to cover against Michigan in the big house. We called it. I mean, 36-point spread. You lose by 27. I mean, I'm taking that. So, uh, congratulations if you if you followed us on our picks last week because you would have made some money. Um, Artie, anything else on Michigan? Yeah, no, nah, I, I think we covered everything we needed to cover, so let's go on to the next topic. All right, yeah, let, let's get into Marshall. It's time to talk some Marshall. The Thundering Herd. We are. We are Marshall. Uh, Artie, let, let's talk about their season a little bit last year. What was it? Finished 9-4, and 5-3 yeah. in the Sun Belt. Beat UConn. Screw UConn. <laughs> what's wrong Beat with UConn? UConn man. Man. 
they think their shit doesn't stink. Beat UConn in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Uh, and then last week, start the season 1-0 and uh, with a win over the University of Albany, 21-17. to Yep. Already, we got the Thundercast podcast covering Marshall, the thundering, thundering Herd coming on the podcast. We got KD and Russ living good coming on. KD, Russ, how, how are we doing, my friend? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Good to see you, gentlemen. Awesome. Well, y'all, y'all ready? I mean, the, just looking at it, I mean, this is a game that anytime we see Marshall on, on the schedule, ECU fans get happy. I, I think Coach Houston said it best earlier this week when he said, hey, we wish we would schedule them more. And I agree. I, I would yeah. be looking for more open dates. Hey, when can we get y'all on the on the schedule? Um, just kind of jumping into it, like, how, how do y'all feel about coming into coming into Dowdy? Uh, this Saturday. Well, one, I wish I was coming physically because it's a bucket list trip for me and I didn't get to go this year. We've got uh, a conflicting event that, that evening uh, in my family. Uh, I love ECU. I pull for them when, uh, when they're not playing Marshall, I think that it ought to be a, a regular series. So uh, really looking forward to it. It's always been uh, very friendly when we've hosted fans of uh, East Carolina up in Huntington we try to have good hospitality, and uh, they've been some of the nicest fans that we've had up there. Love to hear that. Katie? Yeah, we, we owe you one, first of all. You've gotten <laughs> us the past couple of uh, games, and last time you were up in Huntington, you got a late come-from-behind fourth-quarter victory. We owe you one, okay? <laughs> and uh, it's gonna, we know it's going to be pretty tough because, hey, the Herd's never won in Greenville. We found that out earlier this week. You know, I just didn't know that. That's just I didn't think I, I didn't realized know. that. Yeah, never, never. So the herd's looking to make a little history this week. Uh, but no, we love playing East Carolina, man. It was cool when you guys were in Conference USA with us. That was always a fun annual thing. And, you know, the, the, um, I don't know, the, the crap stir in me wants to say, you know, we can play every year if you guys just want to join the Sun Belt. Just say it. <laughs> Seems like a great fit. I'm just tossing it out there. Yeah. I'm just tossing it out there. But anyway, no, we're looking forward to it. We think it's going to be a great game. It's always a great matchup. Fans are great. Uh, it's just something a little special. You know, I think we all know why. It's, it's not your normal rival type thing. It's a little special type of rival. And uh, – it was a game that we were glad to get back on the schedule once you guys went to the American and, and we're not an annual game for us. So, but do not be fooled. We want this one. We owe you one. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I watched that game off of my phone. I, I believe that game was on Facebook. It was. Yeah. That, that ECU Marshall game was on Facebook and I watched it from the lawn seats of a Willie Nelson concert. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great concert, man. So, well, uh, well, chilling out, watching Willie Nelson, having a couple drinks, and watching ECU come back, storm back, and beat Marshall. That was that was a, that was a crazy night. Um, but yeah, you, you talk about the rivalry, and, and Artie and I, we've said it on the podcast several times. We call this the rivalry built off of love and respect. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that, that's what it is. I mean, look, we w- we want to beat y'all, but at the end of the day, we're we're gonna be friends about it because. We know we all know what happened, and we all know the history there, and um, it it really does mean a lot to ECU fans to have Marshall come in, and and also to go up to Huntington, 
and play. I mean, it, it does mean a lot to keep this game on the schedule. Hopefully, John Gilbert, and and I'm sorry, I don't know the athletic director at Marshall's name, but hopefully we can get it on the schedule. I, I think I think it should be a either a biannual game, have it every other year, uh, if not every year. I mean, you, you mentioned the Sun Belt. We can, we can talk a little bit about the Sun Belt versus AAC. Um, but yeah, I, I would love, I would love to play all some more. Um, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk more about that Sunbelt American conference thing here in a little bit, but let, let's dive into the game, right? Let, let's talk, let's talk ball. Look, if I had to say one thing that worries me about this weekend, we, we spent all podcasts talking about how good ECU's rush defense was against Michigan and has been for the last year. Rasheen Ali is a bad dude. And, and he, he's a scary guy to, to see on the other side. Uh, he, he's, what, a junior this year? Uh, I remember his freshman year kind of coming out during, I, during I that I think season. he's still listed as a sophomore because he played in three games last year, and I think that he got the medical red shirt. So he, oh, okay, I'm fairly certain he's still listed as a sophomore. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, still that, that 2020 season, 2021, was that 2021 that we, yeah. that we played? Okay. My look, my dates, because 2020, we were supposed to play. That was going to be the yeah. what 50 year anniversary. Yeah. Um, and that, that game got canceled due to COVID. I believe that we were supposed mm-hmm. to open the season with y'all. Um, yeah. 2021. I, I remember seeing him and being like, Oh man, th- this guy's the real deal. And, um, Tell, tell me a little bit about him and, and what ECU fans should, should expect to see this weekend. <laughs> well, where do you want to start? Because he's still the real deal. Let me tell you that. A lot of folks fell asleep on Rasheen because he missed ten the first 10 weeks of the season last year. And they, well, hell, we forgot that he led the nation in touchdowns the year before. And now all of a sudden he's back healthier than ever. And let me tell you, when I, when I say that the burst at the line is there, it's there, and, and it's it's there more than I've seen before. He's still the realest of the real, and he can still make you look foolish. He'll run over you, around you, through you, however he's got to do it, right? But um, he's a load. We know that. There, there, are some, there are some pundits out there that like Rasheen in a big way, like nationwide, one of the top uh, backs in the country, and we can't say we argue with that because he, he's, he's special, man. He's just He brings something different to the game. Even though we had a great season last year, Running the ball with uh, Kalen Laburn, who's now, you know, moved on and, and just signed, I think it was yesterday, with uh, one of the CFL teams. Racine is a different animal. He, he brings that, that threat of catching a ball out of the backfield to go along with his unbelievable running ability. You're going to have your hands full. Uh, that's not unfair to say, right? And I'm not just, I'm not just blowing smoke because he's our guy. Uh, he's tough to bring down. ECU probably does have a really, really stout run defense if you can hold Michigan's backs in check. Fair, fair. Not, not, not arguing that. Uh, but I'm also not saying, hey, Rasheen could go play at Michigan, you know, because he could. He's that damn good. So he's absolutely one you want to look out for. 22 is going to carry a heavy load Saturday. You better believe it. And he's going to get his yards, and he's going to make plays. The best you can really hope to do, we've, we've seen nobody shut him down. No one. So the best you can really do is mitigate the damage that he can do and hope that you can take enough weapons away from Marshall to come out of the game with a W. That's really what it boils down to, honestly. So Rasheen uh, grew up, his uh, father is a boxer and a trainer. 
uh, of boxers and he grew up training in boxing. So he's got all the stamina in the world. He's got all the footwork and balance that you would get from that. And uh, he ran track for us. Uh, men's track just came back uh, at Marshall. And uh, this was after the uh, knee injury that kept him out. He ran track in the off season, uh, just a, a handful of meets and everything. But uh, he uh, got to do that training to help get him back up to speed and everything. And he came out and said, I feel better and I'm in the best shape of my life, uh, which is scary compared to 2021. He led the nation in touchdowns. Yeah, that's scary. Don't like that. <laughs> Artie? Now, fellas, I, I want to ask you this. Outside of Rasheed and Ali, I mean, who are some other guys on this offense that we do need to look out for outside of him? Because obviously our defense is going to – I mean, we're going to game plan around him, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's the centerpiece. But who are the other guys that we should go watching out for as well? Russ, take a couple, and then I'll take a couple. Well, so uh, game one, we uh, had a new uh, tight end. Uh, Cade Conley that did a lot with blocking and catching, uh, did, did a little bit of everything, uh, kind of thrown onto the scene. Uh, not a lot of, uh, he's a transfer from central Michigan, not a lot of fanfare coming into that game. Wasn't even sure, you know, who the starter was going to be. And he, he had a very good game. Uh, Cam Fancher is a lefty quarterback was a uh, triple jump champion in high school in the state of Ohio. Uh, very athletic, very fast. Uh, he did not run a lot last week. Uh, he did not run a lot last year, given that he's a, uh, a triple jump champion. You would think that he tucks and runs all the time. But when he did run, he was second leading rusher on Marshall's team last year with 466 yards, I think. And he only started the last half of the season. Yeah, yeah. those two guys offensively, it's it's going to go – you know, kind of through them. Kate, it was a coming out party for Cade last week, and uh, he made some big time catches. Man, he really did, and uh, excellent job run blocking, pass blocking. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take the other side of the ball, right? You, you Russ has covered some of the heavy hitters, and we've talked about Rasheen Ali, of course. So let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. Unless you guys are gonna go there in a minute, if you want offensive guys, I'll give you a couple of them. What would you like to have? If we, we're going to go to defense here in a second, but if you okay. want to give us an offensive guy or two, that sure. So if you want to get, if you want to worry about a, a pass catcher, I think it's got to be Charles Montgomery, Chuck Montgomery, uh, an electric wide receiver, perhaps one of the most electric in the Sun Belt, and he's a he's a youngster, first on the scene for the herd last year, and he only got better all year long. He he caught himself a 19 yard touchdown last week to where he had to uh, get away from a tackle and to make a couple of more guys miss to get down the sideline for that 19-yard score. He's as quick as a hiccup, guys. He's the guy that will make you miss in a phone booth, that guy. You know, we've all heard that saying. He's that guy. And then, of course, you've got a senior wideout who's coming back who was injured last year who I'm still expecting to have that great curtain call season, one of my favorites and has been for a number of years. He got a little bit of game last week as a wide receiver, but he's primarily a punt returner, and that's Talit Keaton. He can hurt you in the, in the passing game. He can. So those two wide receivers you're definitely going to want to pay attention to. Marshall really goes about four or five deep. The guys can make plays for you. But Chuck had a really big game last week. Uh, led the team in receptions and yards and found the – I'm sorry, receptions and found the end zone. Um, and and Talese just got all the weapons that you could uh, hope for and has, geez, I don't know, probably 30 games under his belt as a wide receiver. So he's really, really experienced. So there's a handful of them for you that you'll definitely want to know. Awesome. Yeah, and 
It sounds like this game's going to be. We 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 talked a lot. I know y'all were y'all were listening into the show beforehand. We talked a lot about ECU's offensive woes in Week One and the the quarterback drama that that's going on here in Greenville. It seems like this is going to be strength on strength this week, right? I mean, offense, Marshall's offense, ECU's defense, but I mean, Marshall. The defense. I mean, what what is there to what's there that you're looking at going into this week that that you're like, okay, we need to do on defense to make sure ECU doesn't figure something out on offense. Well, so last year they were a top ten in multiple multiple categories. Uh, number one in uh, preventing third down conversions in the nation, if I'm not mistaken. Top three in couple other things they didn't allow many rushing yards uh, that might have been what they were third in uh, as uh, rushing yards per game very big uh, strong and dominant defensive line uh, led by uh, Owen Porter senior um, he absolutely took over some games last year at defensive end uh, but they've got some big bodies uh, they can go eight ten deep rotating in and out and uh that is usually a strength for them. Uh, we've got newer linebackers, uh, one coming back, Eli Neal. Uh, and then we've got, uh, this is the third year KD and I have figured that we have replaced both starting safeties third year in a row. And we did that last year and had no fall off. You know, it was, it was excellent. But, uh, you know, week one, you're going up against Albany. Going up against ECU is going to be a different animal. So, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see what we do uh, against you guys. Uh, like I said, ECU is a really good team. Yeah, I was listening into the show earlier, and I, and I heard the comment, and I'm not taking exception to it. You did say Michigan's easily the toughest defense we're going to face all year. Probably true. Marshall will probably be the second toughest defense that you face all year. So to face those back-to-back, man, I'm telling you, that's a, that's a – that's I wouldn't want to I don't envy that offense to come off of one stout defense and face another one that's equally as stout. The the big uh, the big question mark I guess if you want to call it a question mark is we replaced the defensive coordinator and there were a lot of uh, new pieces coming in. Huff said there's 40 new players on this team. Of course that's offense and defense both together but still. Uh, five starters return on this her defense but they rotated players so much last year that a lot of guys got so much game speed rep a start is just a word, you know, it's just the first guy to try it out for the first play, right? So Owen Porter is absolutely the guy that you have to know. Number 55, you have to know where that guy's at on every single play. He will obliterate a game if he's not accounted for. He is a single game wrecking machine. Uh, against James Madison last year, he has three and a half sacks, should have been four and a half sacks, but he was not awarded one by the conference. He led the conference in sacks last year. He's the first team all-sum belt performer, shortlist preseason defensive player of the year. This guy's going to be a solid day two pick in the NFL draft if he has another solid season like the year before. Book it, right? Now, the problem with that is if you can account for Owen Porter and get him, frustrate him all game long, well, on the other side, you have to contend with guys like Sam Burton, who had a huge game against Albany last week and is currently third in the country in sacks. He had two and a half last week. You know, so 
Mar- uh, Russ is right. We we saw last week against Albany, Marshall did the hockey line change with the defensive line. Fresh line in, fresh line out. That's just the way they did it. So this is not something that you should be surprised to see. Uh, the linebacking core with Eli Neal leading the charges. That guy's just got a nose for the ball. We bring in a transfer from Florida State, Stephen Dix Jr., number 14. I believe you're going to want to know where that guy's at too. He was causing some havoc. And then, of course, when you get to the secondary, you return – you know, co-leader in the interceptions in the Sun Belt, Micah Abraham. Stephen Gilmore hits the NFL. He's now with the Detroit Lions, but Micah Abraham returns. And alongside him is a myriad of guys, transfers and guys that have developed within the program. The secondary, they can play. I, I'm, I'm not, again, just blowing smoke, guys. It's hard to find a weak link to target on this Marshall defense and try to pick on that guy, right, because there's just not very many of them. You will have success. I'm not saying you won't. You will. But it's not going to come easy. And it's the same kind of thing that I expect for Marshall's offense. We will have success, but it ain't going to come easy. right? right? So when you say strength on strength, I think there could not be a more accurate statement to this game coming up on Saturday. Yeah, and the one uh, weakness I would say on defense is uh, so many new players is just gelling and playing together. It's still early in the season. So uh, there was a couple of um, busted plays last week which is how they got their scores. And uh, obviously you got to minimize that. You can't do that against ECU. Uh, so it's just one of those things is playing together and that sort of thing with so many new faces. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah I, I, look, coming from a program that in the last five years or so has lost a couple of games to FCS opponents. I, I know how the fan base is. I mean, even after a, 30 to three loss to the number two team in the country. The message boards are, are popping off. How, how do Marshall fans feel? I mean, it, it was a tighter game than I think anybody expected against the university of Albany. How are Marshall fans feeling going into this game against East Carolina? Oh, it depends on, depends on which ones that you uh, get. And I'm sure it's the same with you guys, because yeah. when I saw the score for you guys and I saw what you did against their running backs and everything, I was like, Hell, that's a very respectable game. You know, in the big house, going up to the big house. Uh, I, I thought it was great for you guys. Now, I'm, obviously, your fans are probably saying different things. We've got people uh, calling for everyone's head because we won by four uh, against an FCS opponent. Um, we've got other people that are a little more level-headed and try to say uh, and it, it's probably 50 50 if i had to say of of people that were like well it's the first game and you know you got to work some things out and they gave us their best punches and it was only a couple of busted plays here and there that caught them their scores and we finally got it together in the second half but we did not score a point in the first half against an fcs team at home and there were a lot of people taking umbrage with that yeah yeah yeah, yeah he's right and it I, I wasn't ready to, you know, pack the pack the season up, but you know, it was a little frustrating. You can't you can't have that. As, yeah. as much energy that we had coming into the season, and as much as the administration and the coaches were like, "Hey, come to the Joan, pack the house. We want to do something special this season," and fans bought in. You know, we mm-hmm. we had a we had a bigger crowd at the opener this year than we had the year before, so that messaging was working. And then you kind of put yourself behind the eight ball, even though you win the game. I'm not mad at that. You go out and you go scoreless, and and you're down three to nothing at the half. That doesn't, you know, you're like, what were we sold? A, what were we sold here, right? What was our bill of goods that we got here? But 
Russ is right. We get it together in the second half, and they score three consecutive touchdown drives, bam, bam, bam. And the fans that saw that for what it was, like me, like, guys, put yourself in Marshall's shoes. You got Albany first game. You got Marshall the second game, or you got ECU the second game. Are you going to try to put anything on film for those coaches to look at? No. Because it's a game you think, all right, we're probably going to win this game going away. Okay, it doesn't work out that way. But you still win the game, and you don't have anything on film. So both of your goals were essentially accomplished. You're 1-0, and East Carolina doesn't have anything really to game plan about, other than they know Rasheen Ali's a bad man, <laughs> which you knew anyway. Everybody in the country knows that. So there's a lot of folks that are like, bench this guy, bench that guy. You know, something's wrong. I'm not going back, yada, yada, yada. But I, folks like us see the real deal. I, I think – our fan bases were very similar in, in that sense. I mean, Mason Garcia played two drives, or, or I think in the first quarter, and people were calling for his head. I mean, guy threw one yeah. interception. Yeah, he threw some under. He he underthrew some balls. I think nerves got to the best of him. But it's a, it's at a hundred nine thousand people. Yeah, you know, against one of the best defenses in the nation, bar none. You know, I mean, I he's. Know. And this was his first start outside of the start against Navy in the 2020 COVID season. And he only wow. started that game. The, he only started that game because whole nailers had a false positive. So <laughs> between how, the two, how short is the leash in Greenville guys? Jeez. So, I mean, yeah, l- l- you gotta let the dogs eat every once in a while. Wow. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that that's my take on it. I'm, I'm not, y'all aren't looking too much at it. And going back to what we talked about a little bit before y'all came on, going back to something Artie and I talked about was open up the playbook. And I I still believe, hey, I wish we would have opened it up a little bit more. But at the same time, just like you said, hey, once you're down 21 to – I think it was at one point 21 to nothing. I I can't remember what the scores – how the scores worked out. But once you're down that much at Michigan, it's in the third quarter, fourth quarter – in my opinion, hey, let, let's not give anybody else anything else to, to look off of on, on our play playbook. Yeah. And so I, I can see both sides. But, yeah, I mean, against, against Albany, I, I wouldn't expect y'all to open up the playbook. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I totally get it. Um, Artie, did you have, have anything else on that? No, I, honestly, I was just going to ask, you know, what are you guys' expectations on Marshall in the Sun Belt this year? I mean, how do you guys feel that you can actually compete in your Sun Belt's conference? There are a few good teams in that conference. You know, how do you guys feel Marshall can compete in the in the conference? Can they compete for a conference championship this year? I think so. I think it'll come down to uh, our offense. Last year, our defense carried us uh, a lot because uh, the first six games, we were having offensive struggles and we changed quarterbacks. Uh, but the defense was rock solid year round. Uh, this year, I think that we have to have a lot more balance uh, in the Sun Belt. Uh, some games you have to score a lot of points when you're playing these other teams that uh, score a lot of points in in the Sun Belt. The East is a gauntlet. Uh, it was last year. It looks very strong again this year, even though it's early. Um, and there's some really good teams over in the West as well. Uh, but it looks like a four-team race possibly on both sides, if not a fifth team on the East or something. Uh, whoever wins the Sun Belt is going to earn it. 
this year, but I think that we can compete for that. Definitely. Yeah. It's not about, can we compete? I feel like this is almost a championship or bust season, you know, because there's a lot of things that are um, lining up for this team to be really good. And if you look at that first game, you'll go, this guy's crazy. They beat Albany by four points. Well, that doesn't matter in the Sunbelt standings, right? It doesn't, that doesn't make one lick of a difference in the Sunbelt standings. This team was a far different team in October and November last year than they were in September. You know, you're a three and three ball team when you make the quarterback change. You, you bring in the red shirt freshman who's first ever start on the road against a decent James Madison team, and they were down their quarterback too. So you had two quarterbacks with their first career starts, and Cam gets the win, and then you know, he went, he goes six and one as a starter, you know, and the only losses to uh, Co Coastal Carolina at home. And they jumped out on us really quick, 21 to nothing or 21 to three, really fast. And then it was trying to play catch up and we held them to three points for the remainder of the game. And we just came up short. Cam Fancher seven and one as a starter. You know, we had the first undefeated November in God knows how long in Huntington. So there's a lot of things that were trending upward heading into the season. And I'm not going to let this one little Albany speed bump was like, oh, we didn't win by 50, so we're not any good. That doesn't, that's not weighing into my thought process, right? I think Marshall is built to win the Sun Belt this year. They can. They have a tough schedule. In the non-con, they've got South Alabama, who's a really tough team in the West, and we do have Arkansas State, which we should be able to get past with relative ease. But he's right. The Sun Belt East, gauntlet. Go on the road to App State, going on the road to Coastal Carolina, you know. That's not easy games, guys. You know, you got to welcome in James Madison on a midweek game. I mean, it's tough. This is tough stuff. But I think the herd's up for the task. I know Huff's up for the task. I know these players are – they want nothing but a championship. That's it. They want nothing less than a championship. We were that one bad quarter from Coastal Carolina away from playing in the Sunbelt title game last year. That's how close we were. So, uh, they can pick us third, fourth, fifth in the East. It doesn't matter. I like our chances. Love that. I, I love that. I mean – that, that's kind of how it, it's felt in, in Greenville for, for a while. And I mean, not that it's been championship or bust. I, and I don't think it's necessarily that this year. I think next year it'll be that for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's good to see that. And I mean, I think the toughest division to predict and maybe all of college football is that Sunbelt East. I mean, I, outside of maybe outside of maybe Old Dominion and possibly Georgia state. I think anybody can win it and Georgia state's pretty good. Um, I, I don't, I don't have much to say about old dominion, but yeah, I mean, I, I think anybody could win that Sunbelt East. Yeah. It, it, I think we're going to beat each other up in October and November. I mean, we are, and whoever can take the most punches is going to come out you know, the most battle tested and win. I mean, you could easily see a two loss or maybe three loss team, depending on how tiebreakers fall. Winning the Sunbelt East. Who knows? Yeah, and we we talked we mentioned we would talk about it later on in the podcast. American Athletic Conference, Sunbelt Conference. It seems like there's there's a little bit of a rivalry brewing between the two conferences. I see it all the time on social media. We even get into it a little bit every once in a while. We like we like to stir the pot occasionally. Yeah. Um the American, we we lose UCF. Cincinnati and Houston to the Big 12. There's all this talk about the Pac-2 and Pac-4 and bringing on the Mountain West. And then you got the Sunbelt Conference, too. I mean, give them credit. They, 
to me, they are still, I mean, they're the number two group of five conference out there. I, I and it's not, it's, it's very close. It is very close. I would say that I would love, I would love for them to merge. I would absolutely love that because I love that the Sun Belt is regional. I love that there's rivalries and they play good football. I love all of those things. Not to mention they've got some pretty good baseball programs there. We everybody knows here in Greenville we we love our baseball team. And I mean basketball, I mean not too bad either. What are your thoughts on Sun Belt versus eight the American Athletic Conference? I don't like as far as what you got to narrow. I, I don't down. like the travel in the AAC about how yeah. far out it is, and that was Conference USA for us. And now a lot of those teams left Conference USA and went to the AAC. Uh, so going back to that for us would be going back to Conference USA with a new name and different payouts. But uh, the tra- the travel was horrible, and it, not just talking about football. Think about a volleyball or tennis having to go that far uh, for some of these things. It's just killing your budget. Uh, yeah, but that $7 million TV contract helps out a little bit. Well, to my to my understanding, uh, a couple of things, not everyone that joined the conference is getting what you guys are, uh, especially for the first so many years. You know, the legacy members that were in there were, were getting that. And that's because it was split a certain number of ways to get to that. Uh, but now those other people that joined aren't getting the same slice of pie that like ECU is getting. Uh, great for you guys. Uh, but also they, there is a clause that can trigger to where they can renegotiate that based on teams leaving. And uh, I'm surprised it didn't already with the, the four that left last year or three, whatever it was, but, uh, that, that would be a concern for me as well. I know that, uh, the Sunbelt has a, uh, has theirs already in place, but there's talk that that could be renegotiated here very soon as well. So I would look in the next three to five years that it would be very similar, uh, between the two conferences. Yeah. Go ahead, Katie. Oh, I was going to say, man, I think like if you want to talk about a merger, it, first of all, I kind of like the Sun Belt the way it is. You know, we're really close. Yeah. You, fans can drive to games. That's awesome, man. You know, I don't have to worry about having to go to Rice or go to, you know, that's, that's that, nah. You know, I'm not worried about going to Rice either. You know what I mean? Like, nah, I don't want to, our teams have to fly there. But, you know, our fans can drive to, Boone and, and Norfolk and Jane and Harrisonburg, Harrisonburg and that's cool man that's what we needed again and uh, you, when you talk about a merger wouldn't it be awesome if they would just split right down the middle and the east teams go with these east teams and the west teams go with those west teams and all of a sudden you've got this really nice big pseudo east coast conference yeah it's got a nice little ring to it but look I get it man there's there's egos that come into play and yeah, we don't get that, right? Because Mar- it's Marshall and West Virginia, WVU in West Virginia, in the state of West Virginia. Whatever. <laughs> we know what that is. They're P5, we're G5. It, it, it ain't the same. But when you get into the states like North Carolina and all of a sudden you have East Carolina and App State and, and Charlotte, and you know, there's egos that come into play because we're all G5 schools, but you're like, well, we're better than you because we're here, and you're not as good as us because you're here. So I get some of that. 
But at the end of the day, guys, we're the same school. I mean, we're the same school, right? And we're, 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 we're passionate fans that are relative in size and relative in budget, and we can compete better with one another. So you would think that we would just want to put the absolute best product on the field we can for our fans and, and build a organic fan base again. And I, I would agree to that. Um, as far as like the Sam, like that, I don't want it to come off that way that us here at the Boneyard podcast are saying the American <laughs> no, is better than, than the Sun Belt. <laughs> Last year, hey, when, when y'all beat Notre Dame and, and App State beat Texas A&M, I'll, I think we even said on the podcast the next week, hey, like, fun belt. <laughs> why don't we join the Sun Belt? But then, I mean, you, you see, like, the new Sun or the Sun Belt versus the new American Athletic Conference. And the Ath- American goes, like, I, I believe it was five and three last year against against the Sun Belt with the new teams, not including the, the old teams that left. That you, you start kind of looking at that. And I, that was like, okay, maybe, maybe let, let's pull those reins back. Look, I would love nothing more than to play Coastal Carolina, App State, Marshall, James Madison. I'd love to play them. Every, I would love to play them every single year. I think those are good matchups. Um, and I, I do like to travel. Artie and I would, my wife probably wouldn't like it because I would be gone 10 weeks out of the year uh, to, to college football games. But I, I, I like that. But at the same time, it it does seem like at times the competition level has been. I mean, we you talk about South Alabama being one of the favorites in the Sun Belt. I mean, Tulane, a team that came out of nowhere last year, handled them pretty easily last week, and and that that's to me. I, I do think that the, that the competition is still a little bit harder. In the American, you may not have this these tight regional rivalries, but that that's just my opinion. I mean, to be fair, Tulane handled USC too, so you know, fair enough. Let's, let, let's let's call it what it is. They're a good damn team, you know. They're a really good damn team. So, uh, no, top to bottom, is it is it is it exactly the same? The two conferences, no, because there's there's teams. One of your most vocal fan bases in the American has been USF. And they ain't won but a game over the past couple of years. And here they are puffing their chest out like they are carrying this conference, this flag, right. like we're somebody. Dude, yeah, their, they, campus they, is, their campus is 25 minutes from my house. Do you think I run into too many USF fans in, the, in Tampa? No, not in Tampa. Not. Nope. Not, <laughs> no, I do not. So I, I, I can I understand that, you know, that there's this, you know, um, hierarchy to a certain degree, but dude, if you take the top of your conference and the top of our conference, it's pretty damn close with the exception yeah. of a team like Tulane, who's going to make a real run at that NY six bowl, you know, yeah. like they're, they're legit. So unless they trip up, you got to think they're the favorite to get that spot based on what they did last year and how they're looking so far this year. So, and, you know, that's what just want to keep things pseudo fair, you know, like South house decent, but they might not be as good as they were last year. You know, we, App might be better than they were last year. We don't know, right? That's why you play the games. But going into the season, everybody's like, okay, it's going to be a two-team race in the West. It's Troy and South Alabama. Well, if South Alabama's not what they were last year, that really isn't that accurate. Yeah, know? Southern Miss might pass them up, and True. Texas State already looks really good with Kenny there as, uh, uh, as the um, coach. Uh, but 
what I was going to say too is uh, there is a lot of people now. This is uneducated fans online. I I don't consider people that have a podcast to be uneducated because you got to do I don't some know. homework. Ask some of our <laughs> listeners; they might tell you something different. <laughs> well, but you, you 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 at least have to do some work to be able to you know some research and stuff like that. But there are some people like these USF fans that were blowing us up on uh, on Twitter that because they're like well the AAC and they're they were touting the people that aren't in the conference anymore as reasons they're like look at cincinnati look at houston look at we're like yeah look at them they're gone you know and uh but they were like anyone that uh was in the AAC even if it was USF or Charlotte or whatever would beat anybody in the Sun Belt just because they're in the AAC. And it's not like that, you know. Uh, it depends on the schedule and the teams on where they're at each year. You know, you could catch somebody in downward swing and uh, four years later you play them again. That doesn't mean that because you beat them 30 to nothing the last time that you're the better program. They were down, you were up, you know, they may come in and trounce you. So you might not want to talk smack. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the fans that talk the smack on that. So um, those USF fans are stupid. <laughs> put put it out there. Like, look, everybody in the American Athletic Conference agrees that USF fans suck. Yeah, they haven't won anything. They don't show up to their games because. Yeah, I mean, you play in an NFL stadium and you can't even get maybe two thousand people there. Like, there nobody cares about USF, but they think their shit doesn't stink. For whatever reason, because they they got this AAU status, yeah, that, that don't win football games. I'm no, <laughs> it might get you some research awards or grants or something like that, but it ain't gonna get, win you no football games, you know. And and okay, let me ask you this last question then. Sure. Okay, and I, I know we've gone quite a, quite a while on and on this subject. If the American were to call up Marshall. App State, James Madison, and Coastal Carolina, and said, hey, guys, how you doing? Why don't you come over? Maybe add Georgia State, and also maybe there, there's talk about Army joining joining the American now. Would you take that? Me? Or, no. No, because of the travel? Well, that's one major reason of it, but uh, I see the Sun Belt on this trajectory and i think that it's got a great number of programs in it and uh, i don't think that they're trying to add people just to get numbers so uh that would extend their footprint it would change the makeup of the conference on uh right now we're all like-minded schools uh it wasn't markets you know it was fan bases so we took fan bases and programs well that brings passionate football it brings passionate basketball baseball that sort of thing. And that's why I think that it's on an upward trajectory. Uh, definitely based on the last four years, it just feels like it's going up. Uh, I feel like if we went over to the AAC, I'm not, I don't want to say that it's going down to be offensive to you, but I think the teams that left some of the darlings uh, for the media have probably left, you know, Cincinnati making it to an NY six, uh, Houston being strong, that sort of thing. Uh, what was brought over was conference USA 
nobody can say, hey, Charlotte was one of the best teams that you could select from there. They they chose a market, but that doesn't mean the people in the market. It's the same as we just talked about Tampa and USF. Tampa doesn't care about USF as a whole, you know, and in Charlotte, there might be more fans of ECU there than Charlotte. There might be there more are. fans of App. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just feel like, and definitely if you see Rice and they have 7,000 at that big stadium or whatever, now they're great in baseball, or at least they were for years, but uh, it's just, it was markets that were chosen. And I don't want to go for a road game, one that I would have to fly over over to Texas three or four times, Uh, but I don't want to go there and us bring the same amount of teams or people as the uh, home team. You know, I don't want to go there and say, man, this is an exciting game that looks like a high school football game because there's 3,000 on their sideline and we flew 3,000 people down to Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just doesn't appeal to me. I, I, I feel like the money, like I said, will even out, and it may take a few years to do that. Uh, but – I would not want to go because of the teams that are in there. It would be like going back to Conference USA, uh, which we hated, and then also programs that are respectable like yours. I would much rather see you guys that fit our footprint and the passionate fan base and the easy travel and things like that would be a better fit than to have some of us from the Sun Belt give up on this Sun Belt that's probably going to – be closer to even footing financially uh just to go there it doesn't make sense to me yeah no it's a no from me too and it has nothing to do with some of the guys that were there like yourselves that we used to be in conference usa with guys you didn't like conference usa you left it you know so why the hell would you want to go back to it again essentially just on a larger scale you know so i'm with russ i would much rather see you know, the Sun Belt be really, really picky and bring in two teams and you guys be one of those two teams and keep the footprint short, keep the travel costs down, then go to the negotiation table and say, hey, we got just as good of a product now than the American does. So the money might be the same for you guys and, and elevate for everybody else. And the next thing you know, you're now outpacing Conference USA's teams, Charlotte's and FAU's and you know, those type of teams. I don't know. It's all speculation, right? But for me, no, I don't want to go back into cross-country travel. I I think that there would have to be a signed deal for for us to agree to it, and it it would have to be more money than what we're getting in the American. Um, And not not to – I would love it. I would absolutely love it. Look, I I mean, okay, I get that. You say, like, it's got to be more money. What if they come to you and say, guys, we're slashing your TV deal? Like it ain't gonna be seven million. I don't no think more. they're gonna do that. You know? They they would have already they would have already there, enacted that. There there's a clause in it, and it looks like because of all the realignment now that this is a scary one. I think they were holding that clause to because they knew there was going to be more happening. We're talking about ESPN here, and make no bones about it, ESPN is driving these conferences. Yeah. And and if that and I I agree they are, but if they were gonna slash it and wanted to keep the American at least if, if they were going to slash it, they, they, I could see them doing it, but at the same time, if they're driving realignment, then they should have, they could have driven 
schools like Washington State and Oregon State into the American. And they, and I mean, they still can. You know, they still they're can. not going to because right, they obviously they're they're in Oresco's ear, Mike Oresco's ear. Uh, what are we calling? Are we are we acquaintance of the podcast now? I don't know. Um, they're in his ear, right? And he said, "We're not going west, right? We're going east." So that leads me to think they're looking at some Sun Belt teams. Yeah, but in in all fairness, you know, I I'm not a I'm not at every school. I'm at our school, and I'm not the athletic director at our school. Athletic directors say, "Yeah, we're going." I mean, it'd be against my wishes, but uh, I could say if I was Mike Oresco, I'm going after Michigan. That doesn't make it necessarily so. I almost said a very bad word on your podcast. I'm sorry. You can say <laughs> but, it. We, I guarantee worse has been said. Say it. No, th- this one I was inventing. This was one. It was new. Like your 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 mom would call you up and say, what was that? You know, so. Uh, but no, he can say whatever he wants. That doesn't mean people are going to jump. And there are some like-minded schools here. And I think that, uh, one, we've got a tremendous commissioner. Uh, he made a great move. It's not all just about football. I know football drives the boat, but look at uh, the Sun Belt right now in soccer, for instance. It's second to the ACC, and it's extremely close right now. Uh, ACC to the to the Sun Belt. We just uh, waxed Pitt at Pitt, and uh, it's I think five of the top. We've got 10, five in the top 25, I think, and, and three 25. in the top yeah. 10, and the herd's number two in the country. Yeah. You know, so so uh, it's not just about football, but our participation in every sport has gone up. Uh, baseball, we're building a stadium, and it's I can't wait until we start having more, because of our facilities, be able to compete more in the Sun Belt. But that's, that's what it feels like is every sport, you're competitive. Every sport makes it easy to travel. It's not just about the football. And I I don't think that Mike Oresco uh, is going to be able to dangle that money out there. Like I said, I, you guys are making seven. I don't think everybody's making seven. You got to remember that seven number sucks, came sucks. from. But that seven. <laughs> That seven number came from a certain number of teams. And then when you guys expanded, those number of teams went up. So that slice of the pie is slightly different. But you guys, the ones that were there before, the legacy teams, you got to keep that. And I don't think the new guys are getting that. I've uh, I've read some articles and even heard some of their own fan bases that came straight from their administration say, we're not getting seven. We're not getting the 5.9 whatever number that is. And that might be for a few years, but they can't say, Hey, Marshall, come over here. You're going to get seven. That's a false number. It's not false in your position. It would be false in Marshall's position coming over new. Would it surprise you if going East meant uh, courting teams like Louisiana tech or Liberty or Western. I I could see Liberty. Uh, I would add Liberty 100%. I wouldn't. You are on totally the different. you are in the small island of people that want to be associated with Liberty Athletics. I think, yeah. <laughs> like, but no, like that, that's going east, right? Liberty, Western Kentucky's going eastward. That's not the West Coast, and and Louisiana Tech. These are all good programs that are 
kind of stuck. They're marooned in Conference USA. I mean, Liberty's happy to be there because they're just finally in a conference. But Louisiana Tech, Western Kentucky particularly, they're marooned in Conference USA and with, with nowhere to go right now. So uh, maybe that's the, the direction instead of the – they might try to court teams like App State. Who knows? That's a great fit for you guys, right? It's a great regional team. I would, have, great I would have rather had App State than Charlotte any day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I bet so. Oh, everybody would have. But that's except, that's the except problem. Charlotte. They're yeah. happy well, as hell to be there. But, but that's the problem. It was markets that was taken. It was media markets, and there's no really people watching those teams in those markets. You know, look, you're uh, you're, you're you're preaching to the choir here because I yeah. mean that look. This may be this may come off as biased, but ECU should have been, in my opinion, in a power conference twenty years ago. The ACC, we should have been in the ACC that long ago, and we all know why. But now was the, the thing I, I don't, I don't know why. So was oh, I it? I mean, like I don't know, team, but I can get teams it. in the state that yeah. vetoed it. Sure. That's yeah, I'm say. sure. I'm sure y'all know a little bit about that, right? Well, well, that's what I was. I, I just wanted to clarify, just to make sure it was other teams that said no because there, they didn't a, want to give up some of their pie. There's there's a school in Raleigh that wears red, and there's a school in Chapel Hill that wears. Blue, and then there's another one in Durham that wears another color blue, and there's one in Winston Salem that wears black and gold. And none of them wanted ECU to be because they knew had ECU come into the ACC, they would have easily dominated very quickly. And with that, I mean, we've been in this kind of spot for 20 years, and then you look back to 2014, there's a graphic that says, Hey, here's the top three programs that should be power five programs it's byu east carolina boise state you have you have some leadership issues at east carolina and they they make some dumb decisions i'm looking at you cecil staten and and uh jeff <laughs> comfort calling. name calling i hear you adding like adding put him on there right now I, i've reached out to both of them to see if they wanted to come on the podcast they both politely i can't declined. imagine why <laughs> um but no, I mean that that's why. And and that's looking at it, we're we're like, hey, we should be there. And now what they're telling us is y'all don't have the market. You don't have the market to 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 be in a power conference. And so that that's the that's the problem. But guys look at Clemson, South Carolina, and tell me if that's a huge market. You know what I'm saying? Look at Starkville, uh, that- Mississippi. Yeah, and that's the, that's the problem because in those markets, no Pullman, one is Washington. watching. No one is watching the teams in those big markets and everything. It's either a pro town or they are watching some other team. You know, uh, and Huntington's not a huge market. We don't pretend that it is, but we travel. I think you guys are gonna you've you've seen it before, but we're gonna bring a lot of people down there to ECU. We got a lot of herd fans that live in the Carolinas. And uh, a lot of herd fans make the trip. Hell, I went to uh, South Bend, and there was easily six thousand of us there. And there could have been more, but they didn't obviously want to release ten thousand tickets to us, or we might have brought ten grand. Uh, we travel. That's one of the reasons we used to get a lot of the bowl games is because that that bowl knew we would travel, even though it was one day before Christmas. So we got a better bowl than what our pecking order was in the conference uh, on how we finished because Marshall travels. You guys bring a lot of people up to Huntington, okay? So I want that, 
instead of having, I don't know, rice bring 11 people, you know, I don't want that. Uh, and that's, that's what you're going to get. I mean, you, you look at, at some of those teams that were brought in, you guys are above that already, you know, and that's what I'm saying. You fit more with us because you've got a passionate fan base and your fans care. And it's not like, well, I went to ECU, but I'm a UNC fan. You know, I think that there's a lot less of that there than somebody to say, I went to Charlotte and I'm a NC, a NC State fan. You know, something like that. There, there's there's hardly there's, anybody there's goes to Charlotte. Wrong. Well, I'm just saying you, you don't go to Rice and then you're a huge Rice fan. Uh, yeah, are there Rice fans? Obviously. But most of the people in that market are going to be watching – Houston or professional sports instead of rice. And you can see because they don't go to their games for sure. Well, guys, um, we appreciate y'all coming on the boneyard podcast. We've been talking, I think now for close to an hour, uh, really appreciate y'all. I, I know when we, we were setting this thing up, we talked about going as long as we needed to. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it. I, I really do. Uh, coming on plug, plug where people can find your, your content. Oh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Uh, we're available any streaming platform. And, of course, uh, the Thundercast YouTube channel is where you can catch all of the video podcasts. And we're on every social media, too, you know, Instagram and whatnot. But uh, anyone, we do shows weekly. From time to time, we'll have uh, special standalone episodes and, sp- and features. So we sure would appreciate it if you'd give us a follow on any of your favorite social media platforms and particularly subscribe to the youtube channel awesome well guys best of luck to y'all and uh yeah best of luck past this weekend yeah and and just just to say one more time we respect the hell out of you guys and i wish that i was down there in person to watch it but uh best of luck to you guys thanks guys y'all have a good one you too Artie, what a what a great interview i love love always talking talking ball especially when there's two like-minded fan bases seems like yeah. marshall and, and ecu are, are very close to that we, we always know that look we we're very similar uh, when it comes to marshall and east carolina but uh look let's move along um we got some twitter questions you want you want to get into those real quick um let's get into it all right let's see here Let's see. I'm, I'm pulling up our Twitter questions. First up, Cameron Yarbrough. Um, he asks, apart from the QB situation, what is our biggest concern for the team this coming Saturday against a team that has picked close to the top of the Sun Belt Conference? I mean, I, I think I said it in that in that interview. I I'm looking at Rasheen Ali saying, "Yeah, we we stopped the Michigan." Running back duo, All right? But you got, a, how, you got another great one in Ali. You don't, I don't want to have to deal with this all the time, right? And um, I, I think if, if they can shut that down, try to shut that down early. You're not going to shut them down all the time, but try to shut them down as much as you can. I, I think that that's that's where you go, right? Um, so that's to me that that's the biggest concern, um, and then. Will Cam Fancher be able to maybe dice up this secondary a little bit, get, 
Will he have an opportunity to do so? You? Well, yeah, I think um, biggest concern I have for this team outside the quarterback room. Honestly, do we are we, we going to have wide receivers that step up? Right? Are we are, are we going to get some big play out of our receiver room? We I think we know what our running back room is going to be. I think guys like Rajay, Marlon Gunn, um, Javion, they're all they're all going to show up this weekend, right? Our, our, our running back room is going to be fine. What are we going to get from our receiver player? We're going to get guys, Cy, um, some of the other guys that we have in the in the in that you know wide receiver room. Are they going to step up this weekend and actually put some numbers on the board? So I'm concerned about a wide receiver room. Um, and then obviously the secondary room want to want to make sure that they are continuing to get better, continuing to progress. We know what our front seven is going to be on defense. The secondary against Marshall, hopefully they can be locked down, uh, gang tackle, be some sharks, be greedy. Would love to see an interception in this game. Um, I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm starving for to, to see some picks from this ECU defense. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, and then uh, we we got Justin Ith, uh, former roommate of mine, sophomore year roommate of mine, Ash, says JJ McCarthy was really accurate on Saturday. Really put the ball where the only the wide receiver could get it, and the pass rush couldn't touch him. Should we really be worried about this secondary? I think we answered that earlier. I'm. I'm giving the secondary a mulligan. Hey, now, if you come out and have the same kind of problems you did last week, this week, and really moving forward, then I'm I'm concerned. But, I mean, when, when you're facing the number one offensive line in the country, I, I'm going to give them a mulligan because we talked about it. J.J. McCarthy had so much time in the pocket, he could just sit back there and dissect until until yeah. somebody got open. Yeah, and I would I would completely agree with that. I mean, you know, this week is going to be different, right? And this secondary is going to have more responsibility, more task on them this week. Look, Marshall's bread and butter is their run game, right? The run game, they have a star running back. They have a running back that's going to play in the pros, right? So we know that he's going to get the rock 30, 40 times, you know, in, in, in a game. So if our secondary looks the way it did last week, if it looks suspect, if we're not, you know, flying up to the ball, we're not flying around the ball, if we're not doing our assignments the right way, then yes, there's going to be calls to pause after this game, right? But if we do the things we need to do in this game at home, being an underdog at home, I also want to mention that we are an underdog at home to Marshall. So that by itself should be getting these guys amped, juiced up, um, you know, ready to play. So I think our secondary definitely, um, this is the week where we say, okay, are they legit or are they still a work in progress? Yeah, I, I think last week was a good measuring point but now now is okay last week was a payday now it's okay let, let's go out and win some ball games um not saying that they didn't try to win last week but we all knew what was going to happen uh all right pd asks after saturday's game are you more or less optimistic for your outlook on the rest of the season You're you're like an I don't know. I feel like this. That's I mean I, I I'm not I don't know how to feel after game one against Michigan. You know I I think I have a better I think after the the Marshall game and the App game that's where I'll be like okay I I kind of know what this team is, right? I, okay. I, I'm gonna know what this team is after Marshall and App State. That's that's when I'll know what what the outlook of the season will be. But after Michigan, I'm I'm, I'm honestly not too sure. I like the way we played at times. I like what we did. I like certain things that we did at times. There were other things that we did god awful, and obviously the quarterback situation is the elephant in the room. So, 
I hate to yeah. be you know, PC, but we'll see. I'll say I'm more optimistic than I was maybe going into the season. Um, I'm more optimistic after some of the things I saw. Still concerned about some things, but I'm, I'm more optimistic with some of the things that I saw. When I said last week that ECU was going to cover, yes, I believed it. But did I really, really believe it down deep in my gut? Not really. I just know the I just know ECU's history with covering in, in big games like this. Now I, I think you you hung with them. You you talk you mentioned ECU's a home dog. I think that's bananas that ECU's a, a underdog in this game. I really do. But to each their well, own. Here's the thing. ECU's got to prove it. Go out there and shut people up and prove it. You, it. We're an underdog. It is what it is. We're an underdog at home. If we're mad about it, go out and win the game. Period. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I agree. I just, to me, I think, I, don't know, I, I can't believe that we're we're a home dog. To I mean, it's a three-point spread right now. It started out at, at a point and a half, and it's gone to three. Who the hell is putting – but if, if we're being honest, though, Jared, our first three opponents, all three of these teams were projected to be better than us. Going into this season, all three of these teams were projected to finish better than East Carolina. So we were going to be underdogs anyway, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Vegas has us as underdogs. But when you look at the ESPN FPI for Marshall and App, currently, ECU is predicted to win. But that's and, and- why – like predictions don't matter but this is what you want if you're coach houston the staff we i need bulletin board material give me this all day long i need this kind of rat poison right like i need that give me that to feed to my players like you are an underdog at home to a marshall team coming in to beat you know like like everybody's marshall team that beat uh you're going to be an underdog in app. Everybody's going to say you're going to lose the app by 20 points. Like, use this fuel. Like, use it. Don't be upset about it. Use it. If you're mad, go out and win. For sure. Um, all right. Last question. Josh, otherwise known as knowledgeable.com, asks, who's the player to watch on both sides for this game? I, I think he means both sides of the ball, or maybe he means ECU and and Marshall. I'm going to go with assume, both sides. I'm assume both sides of the ball. That, that's kind of what I'm going with. Yeah. Um, are we going to go chalk? Or are we going to go somebody off the board? Well, I mean, chalk is is, is what it's got to be, right? I mean, if if, if, if Mason ch- Garcia, chalk player doesn't play, good, you're not going to win anyway. So. Did I lose you? Are you there? I'm know. here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I lost you there for a second, but it's all right. Uh, I'm going to go my my players to watch. Artie, I'm going to go – I'll start on defense. We know what the, the defensive line is going to do. I could go Jeremy Lewis. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go my boy, Tegan Wilk. Man, come on, think, bro. Why are you taking my players? I, I think – I think Tegan comes down with a pick, and uh, 
He he's becoming our our next Warren Saber. Like I, I Tegan and I are, are are becoming boys, and and I I really appreciate him. Yeah. So uh, Tegan Wilk, wonder of a face tattoo or a skull tattoo. Gotcha. Uh, is is it my is it my goal? You still going? I'll I'll let you take your defensive player. Give me Julius Wood. Give me give me give me give me the other the other DB. I I, I like Julius Wood. I think Tegan Wood could have could have a a, a day, but uh, give me Julius Wood. I like what I see out of Julius Wood. I think he could be a rising upcoming star for this ECU defense. Someone who has to step up and play well. Give me give me Julius Wood. Honorable mention Jack Powers. Now that he's not going to be suspended during the first half of the game, yeah, look for him to have have a big day. Um, all right, on offense, I mean, if we're if we're going chalk, it's going to be a running back, right? If we're going non chalk, you would think it would be somebody like Mason Garcia. I'm going to go even further off the board. Okay. I'm going to go wide receiver, Josiah Hatfield. Okay. Uh, we talked to him at media day. Dude dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Look, you're down two wide receivers early in the season. I don't think Chase Sowell or Sowell is going to play this week. Got a concussion last week after a questionable hit, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, um, Got a concussion. He, he's probably out last week and – this week. Um, and then Kerry King is out for the season. I can't remember. I, I believe that's a lower body injury. Um, don't, don't want to say specifically cause I don't know. Um, so yeah, th- those are two guys that you, you were expecting to have this year. So I'm going to go to Josiah Hatfield. I got you. I mean, if I had to, if I had to name another receiver, uh, Jalen Johnson, that would, that would be another receiver that I would, that I would throw out there that I want to uh, step up and, and play well, but I'm going chalk, man. Give me, give me, give me icy, icy, icy Rajay Harris, man. The ice man's got to show up this weekend. One percent. Ice man's got to show up this weekend. He will show up this weekend because he's that guy. But the ice man's got to show. Up. I'm, I'm gonna go with nice man because that's he's icy. I'm just gonna be, the ice man's got to show up this weekend. Give me Rajay Harris. That's my that's my X factor. Uh, give me that one two punch too. I'll take Rajay and Marlon Gunn. Now, give me that one two punch. It's, uh, one, but, it's going to be a one, two, three point. I mean, there may be a one, a one, B one C that that ECU is having after what I saw from Javius bond last week. But I, I, I think it's going to take some time for the quarterback and receivers to mesh. It's not going to happen this week. They're, they might have some plays. They might get it going a little bit, but they're not just going to go from the Michigan game to Marshall and just I, all, all of a sudden you just have like this star receiver. The running I, game is really going to have to put it on the map for us. I, I don't, and I don't put anything on, Really, the receivers. There were a couple. There were a couple drop passes from Alex Flynn that went right through their hands. But I don't. I don't put it on on the receiver. Um, last week, that that was purely on, on the quarterback play. Um, yeah, I think I think somebody emerges this week, though. I do. I do think somebody emerges. Whether it's Mason Garcia or Alex Flynn, I I think one of them figures it out and come week three against App State and Boone. I, I think we have a kind of a more clear cut answer on who we're going to ride with. And it, it may not be a hundred percent, but we're going to, this guy's going to be 75% of our starter. So, all right. That's Twitter questions already. Um, walk the plank. Do you have one? 
Mm, no, I'm not mad at nobody this week. I don't have nobody to. I don't have nobody to criticize. Um, only one I got the ACC adding uh, California, Stanford, and SMU. That's yeah. cheeks. That, that that's absolute well, BS. Look, I, I, I figured. I figured Cal and Stanford, honestly, like. And I know regionally, like, it's, I mean, they're way on the other side of the country, so it doesn't make sense as far as, like, travel. But as far as schools, it makes sense. Like, Cal and Stanford, they feel like an ACC school. If they were to be in another conference, they feel like ACC. SM, not SMU, but – um, no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, it is, it is SMU. That's just – Bullshit. They don't, they, don't, they don't feel Atlantic Coast Conference to me. They just don't – They. I mean, I don't, I don't know how SMU got in there. But, I mean, good for them. They got a booster that – Literally was quoted as saying, I've got billions. What's $200 million to me? Uh, <laughs> so that, that's how they got in. And look, that's it's it's that Dallas money and good for them. But hey, I mean, I, I don't I don't necessarily see them competing in an Atlantic Coast conference, but good for them. Yeah, that they, they haven't really competed in the American either. So exactly. Uh, I mean, how many conference championships do they have in the American? In, in football, they don't have one since they got the death penalty. So there, there's that. Um, all right, Artie, let, let's start wrapping this thing up. Gambling corner. All of these spreads are from Caesar Sportsbook on ESPN. Uh, Artie, let, let's just go through some of these games. Number 11, Texas at number three, Alabama. College game day is going to be in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Yeah. A matchup of two blue bloods. It was a great matchup last year. Which powerhouse is going to come out on top this year? Yeah, I'm, I'm low-key a Texas fan. Always have been. I love Texas. I love that burnt orange. Um, but give me Alabama. Alabama's going to win. It's, it's in Tuscaloosa. It's in Alabama. I want I want Texas to win this game. They're not going to win this game. I don't believe that Texas is back. I, I just I have to see it. This, this will go back? a long way. Like, Texas going to Tuscaloosa and winning this game would go a long way into showing me, okay, maybe Texas is back. But still, it's just, you know, game two or whatever it is. So, and I don't necessarily believe that Steve Sarkeesian has that team, that it team down there in Austin just yet. So, give me Alabama. Yeah, I think I'm with you, Alabama. Alabama's minus seven. I, I think I think they went outright. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Alabama as well. Um, all right, just down the road, Artie and uh, and Raleigh, NC State hosting uh, Notre Dame, number yeah. ten Notre Dame. This, this is a big one. Dave Dorn told fans that they could sleep out in the parking lot and start tailgating the night before for a noontime kick against Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame's a seven and a half point favorite. Your your thoughts? I'm gonna be honest with you. I've honestly like you know as much as we hate NC State on this this podcast, I've been bullish on State in years past. Even like last year, I thought State would be decent. I thought State could compete, you know, for a conference championship last year. Obviously, didn't happen. Quarterback got hurt. Quarterback transferred. Um, I think Notre Dame rolls. I, I think I think Notre Dame's gonna roll in this game. I, I really do think Notre Dame is, is a lot better. I don't think they're better. I think they're a lot better than NC State. I think they're wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I think that Notre Dame handles business, and uh, there's no luck of the Irish in Raleigh uh, for, for NC State. So, 
Um, yeah. App State at number 17, UNC. This game was one of the top games of the year last year. I mean, we talk about it week one. I think it was week one or week two because it was happening when we were playing NC State, I believe. was No, maybe. I, I can't remember. I think maybe it did. I think that was the first yes. game of the season last year. Yeah. And yeah. ECU, at, NC UNC State was at, at, and then State at, you know, ECU. And those games were both coming down to the wire at the same time. And all eyes were on the state of North Carolina and football. Yeah. Uh, already App State, I mean, their quarterback, starting quarterback, Ryan Berger, broke his hand last week in their week one win over Gardner-Webb, which forced Joey Agu- Aguilar, uh, the backup, to come in in relief to fight past the uh, running Bulldogs, uh, an opponent that is in a couple of weeks for the, for the Pirates. Uh, meanwhile, UNC powered past SEC power or open up their SEC opponent, South Carolina. I almost called them a powerhouse. I don't know why UNC or South Carolina is nowhere near a powerhouse in, in football right now. Uh, UNC is an 18 point favorite. It's at UNC. Hey, the two biggest App State alums are going to be probably going to be there, and Luke Combs and, and Eric Church. But I, I got I got something to say to the Boonies. Probably not going to be wearing black and gold because they don't really care about your school either. Okay, they're both they're both UNC fans. Give me UNC. Uh, App, App might cover, but UNC handles business. Yeah, this is um, this is a different Carolina team. I told you last week when they played South Carolina, their defense shows up. This Carolina team can be really, really dangerous, and their defense looks a lot better than it was in years past. South Carolina is not going to be a scrub either. South Carolina is probably going to win eight games this year. Uh, so that's not a bad team that they beat last week, and they beat about two scores. Carolina's going to win this game. Carolina's going to win by 10-plus. So if they win by 10-plus, do you think – are you saying App State – Covers, I think App State covers. Yes, I think App covers. I, I mean, App's not going to get blown out, you know, by thirty or forty. Um, I, I think I think App covers. I agree. I, I think App covers. Um, but yeah, I think UNC wins, but App covers. Yeah. All right. Um, Artie, number twenty, Ole Miss at number twenty-four, Tulane. Ole Miss is a seven and a half point favorite. You over under sixty-seven. There's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Two high-powered offenses. This might be the game of the week. I mean, honestly, if Texas wasn't playing Alabama, college game day would be in New Orleans. Yeah. Not for LSU. <laughs> oh, man, look, I, I, I'll say this about this game. If Tulane – because Ole Miss is good, and Lane Kiffin is going to have a good offense, and then the boys going to be ready to go. If Tulane can beat Ole Miss – then Tulane definitely should be the the favorite, right? Like I know we had some questions about Tulane. I know and Tulane's still a very good team, but if Tulane can win this one against Ole Miss against the SEC power like Ole Miss, yeah, they're 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 legit. What's your pick? Give me give me Tulane in in a in a in a barn burner. I think I really do think this could be the game of the week. Give me Tulane and something like a you know. 35 31 type of type of finish it's, it's going to come down to the to the last seconds of this game yeah I, i'm running with the wave here too um maybe that's bias in me 
It's biased. It's because I get. I mean, Ole Miss winning this game is not 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 a shot whatsoever. But I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Tulane. Yeah, I mean, why not? You know, um, why why not roll with roll with the our our conference buddy in, in Tulane? Shout out Corey Glore, friend of the podcast. All right, Artie. This might be this might be the first time we've ever agreed on all of our picks. I don't think we've had a disagreement on any of these picks. Yeah, I don't think so either. That's crazy. We know who we're picking in the last one. So, Marshall, three point favorites on the road at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, home of your East Carolina Pirates. Over-under is 44. No, they don't expect much offense in this game. I don't think there'll be a lot of points scored either. I, I can see this game being a, a 20 to 17 type of game. Yeah, absolutely. No. Question is, who has 20 and who has 17? This is going to be a game. Marshall is going to come into Greenville and give us a game. And we got to be ready from the opening jump. Because if we're not ready from the opening jump, Marshall could blow us out. I mean, this, this is a Marshall team that could and very well has the capabilities of blowing us out if we are not ready from the jump. So ECU does have to come in here and understand that, you know, we're not playing the team that we played last week, but we're still playing a damn good football team. And if we're not ready to come out and play and execute the way we need to execute, we will lose. And we might lose by a lot. Um, with that being said, give me East Carolina and give me ECU. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 20, 20 to 17. Yeah. I, I can't think of a better score. I, I think, I think 20 to 17 fits. Yeah. I mean, even though I gave you that score. Okay. It is. But I, oh. I get, I get like twenty four. I don't think I don't honestly. I don't see us scoring twenty four. I don't think we score twenty four. But I think we hold Marshall to under twenty points. I, I think we also hold them under twenty points. Um, you said twenty seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Uh, ECU wins twenty one seventeen. Okay. With a missed field goal. Okay, I can see that because I, I like in my brain I couldn't see ECU scoring three touchdowns. Like we're not, we're not scoring three touchdowns. I see two touchdowns and two field goals, but I don't see three touchdowns. I okay, see, I can see three touchdowns and one field goal. Okay, I feel like uh, if you've got seats on the fifty yard line, get ready because you're gonna, you're going to see a bunch of plays right around that that spot of the field. Yeah. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good one this Saturday. Yeah. I mean, ha hammer those Pirates because, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why the line it keeps moving towards towards Marshall. Jared, do we get over 45,000 in, in the stadium? Do you no. think we get that? No. Do you think we get over 40,000 in the stadium? I'm going to set the over under at 39.5. Mm. That's a shame. That's a shame. That's not the that's not the dowdy I remember. That's a shame. That's all I know. Home opener. It's not the dowdy I know. We can't even get 40k in there. 
Oh, look, Artie, I don't know if you see this comment. Shout out David Kroll. Uh, it says, shout out to Artie and his, his girlfriend. My wife and I sat behind you at the game. David, we made it through the construction around Chicago to make it back to Superior, yes. Wisconsin. Shout out, David. Yes, I, they, were, they were an awesome couple. They were awesome. They were they were such a lovely. I'm actually happy you you said that they were a phenomenal couple. We had some we had some ECU family right behind us, and, and, and it was them. We were in a sea of of maize and blue, um, but they were awesome. I think they left right after uh, the second quarter uh, to to make it back up to Wisconsin. But yeah, shout out Dave, shout out his wife. They were absolutely awesome, um, and they are listeners of the Boneyard Podcast. So shout out to them. Awesome, awesome, awesome couple. Love it, love it. All right, Artie. We, we agreed on everything up until the final score of the ECU Marshall game, and really then we're just off by a point. So if you if you follow both of us on our picks this week, I don't know. I mean, let's make some money. Let's do it. Anything else? If not, nah, we, we almost two hours deep, man. We good. Hey, that, that's <laughs> time flies. Want, time flies when you're having fun. Thanks. Make sure you subscribe to the Variety Sports Network on YouTube, follow us, follow the Variety Sports Network, Variety Sports Collegiate, lots of great podcasts, lots of great content there. Also, follow us. If you do yourself a favor, follow us. We're putting out great content. We're putting out great content, and there's more to come. There's going to be some, I know we've said announcements are coming soon about things. Things are working. We've got we got things in the works right now, all right? And, and I'm hoping we can make some things official in the next week or so. So follow us at the Boneyard Podcast to keep up with us. Keep up with all of our great content. Follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Boneyard Podcast. Same on on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell right now. Okay? Subscribe to us at Boneyard Podcast on YouTube. And leave us a review wherever you listen, whether that be Spotify or Apple. Leave us a review. Leave us five stars if you're a friend of the podcast. If If you're not, if you're an NC State fan, just say it. Okay, if, if you leave us anything below five stars, you're you're just an NC State fan. Okay, um, Artie, that, that's all I got. I'm I'm tired of talking. Honestly, let's get let's get to Greenville, and yeah. uh, if you want, hey, hit us up. We're gonna be there early enough. Maybe we can stop by a tailgate or two. Hit us up. Hit us DMs up. are open. We'll be in the city. And uh, as always, Pirate Nation, shout out to the Thundercats for coming on this week. Appreciate you fellas for doing that. And uh, as always, wash your hands, wash your butts. Deuce. Peace.